Hey everyone, so uh, no I'm not Deck, um, I'm going to be your host for this podcast, it's Ganesh Curry. Um So today I'm going to be interviewing Deck uh, for episode 8 of the FitzS podcast. Um, we talk about how Deck got into uh, cricket and obviously changed to powerlifting a little bit later. Um, also just wanted to say a massive thank you for ev- all the support on these podcasts and everyone sharing them uh, on the stories, it's been a massive help. So uh, I hope you enjoy the episode, thanks guys. So let's start. So, uh, so Deck, we're gonna be talking about your fitness today. I know it feels weird being on this end of the mic. I know it make, makes a bit of a change for you. So uh, we'll make a start. So obviously, you've obviously been my my coach for a while, and we've obviously had many conversations. First one we ever had was talking about cricket. So cricket was kind of like one of your first sports that you got into. So tell me how you got into it. Uh, was there any other sports that you're doing at the time as well? Yeah, so everyone always asks me how did I like get into fitness, and I always trace it back to cricket. Um, and I played football like most kids and rugby and stuff like that at school, and a bit of athletics. But I remember cricket was the first one that I had an absolute drive and passion for. Um, it was two thousand and five, watching the Ashes at home, fantastic time. All my friends, family were all around at my house. We used to always watch every single day. I was, getting up every morning like so excited to watch the cricket uh, and then I, I was brought, obviously brought up in an Irish household we played something called hurling which is not similar but you use a stick and a ball so I remember my dad was like oh do you want to come in the back garden uh, and I remember picking the bat up like it was a baseball bat and trying to whack this ball out of the ground as hard as I could every time um, but anyway I enjoyed playing so much um, and I was 11 years of age and it was just coincided that when we went back to school that year like we did indoor cricket and we were progressing to play cricket outdoors. Um, and I progressed quite quickly. The coach, and I was made captain. And then the coach was like, you need to like start going to a club because he was just a general PE teacher. So I went to a club and they were like, you're actually too good to be at this club. Um, we, you want to get and play at a higher level. Uh, and this was like first kind of like, I played one game for them. They were called Radcliffe Cricket Club. Jeez, right. And they were like, right, you need to go to Berry Cricket Club because if you go to Berry, you might have a chance of playing for Lancashire. So straight away, I went and played there. And then I played one season. And then at the end of that season, towards the end, we went to like a festivals thing. Uh, and we like played like Lancashire junior level at a festival. It was really good. But at, when I started playing for Lancashire um, at that little junior festival, they took us on like an S&C day. Uh, so just the strength and conditioning day mm-hmm. cricket isn't really big on fitness or it wasn't back then in 2005 it is now um, and they had an S&C coach and he, he wouldn't let any of us in the gym uh, until we could do a certain amount of press ups air squats and stuff like that why do you think it wasn't like why it wasn't a big deal at the time um, cricket obviously was quite old fashioned and a lot of the greats like WG Grace and stuff weren't particularly fit it was seen as more of a gentleman's sport and not as rugged or rough as football. So people weren't as fit naturally. It was more a skill-based sport. But then I think it was probably South Africa and Australia that first implemented um, S&C coaches and a lot of training. Um, and obviously I went on to study cricket because I loved it so much. And that's how I like started to understand the history of S&C and cricket and how it could develop. And that's actually what I wanted to be. I always wanted to be a cricketer from 2005. Um, I was mad about cricket. That's I knew that's what I wanted to be. Um, so I would have been going into my second year of secondary school. I don't know what they call it now, year eight or something. Yeah. About um, and yeah, so they said to me, you know, you're pretty good at this um, cricket. Come and do an S and C session. Went and did an S and C session. The S and C coach was like, 
actually you're pretty strong uh, and you, you've got long arms. I remember him telling me that. So he said he sent me to another coach who said to me like uh, he was a he was at form a gym called Form in Leeds, right? Uh, and they started me off powerlifting, and then that was it. That's how I started powerlifting straight away. Just loved it. Um, I had a lot of injuries early on, uh, and I know like my parents were a bit against it because they had obviously a lot of people telling them the myth that you know it's not good for children and stuff like that and then it didn't help when I was messing around and I broke my ankle in the gym so you year eight so you're what 12 13 yeah I was 13 when I started powerlifting maybe maybe late 12 so I think it was it was early January just before I turned 13 so obviously my birthday is on the 13th of Jan it was like a week or two before that. So what was the worry with your parents then? So why were they so worried? So they were worried that obviously I'd be missing school time to go all the way up to Leeds to powerlift because there wasn't a lot of powerlifting then. Um, how old would it? it would have been 2007. Uh, so there wasn't like a lot of people powerlifting. No one really knew what it was, um, especially my parents. Like they grew up on a, one of them grew up on a farm and the other one's from Ireland. So like they really didn't know what it was. Um, and they only played football. They didn't even like play cricket or anything like that. Um, and I remember them thinking, like, what on earth is he doing? Like, why is he lifting all this weight? It's going to damage him. I remember them telling me, is it asking the guy, is it going to damage my spine and all that? Which is quite ironic. He said, <laughs> I'll snap my back a few times now. Um, but I was, I think it was about nearly 14, so a couple of years into powerlifting. And I remember I was under a squat and I was messing around. And you know, like when you're showing off to your friends, you sit at the bottom of the squat yeah. for a bit. Well, I thought, anyway, I sat there too long and ended up breaking my left ankle coming up because I rolled over on my ankle. I, actually, I hadn't even warmed up. My friend was doing like a really heavy squat. I'd just come in for my session. So I wasn't even in my lifters. I was just in normal shoes. And this is why I'm so adamant you should use lifters. And I came in, I must have been like just some normal Nike running shoes or something. And I remember rolling my ankle with his weight and broke it. So, yeah, I was a fool. So, injuries-wise, yeah. I'll just quickly touch on it now. Cause you just, <laughs> you, I've mentioned it a few times, yeah. obviously. So, injuries. So, that, that was the first time you did your ankle then? Yeah. How many times more did you do it then? So, I've done both ankles twice. Um, one of them last year when I was playing football. Um, obviously, when it got pinned, the pins either like the fixing that they've used either breaks or it just comes out a little yeah. bit. So like you've seen both my ankles, they're heavily <laughs> bruised. There's loads of varicose veins around them. It definitely doesn't agree with my body. Uh, so I've done them both. When I was 17, that was the worst year. I did my serratus anterior and my rotatory cuff benching in a comp. And then in 2017, three years ago, I did my back for the second time, which was L4 and L5, uh, basically, uh, herniated uh, oh, when I was 17 I also had my, that's when I had my first back injury um, and basically my I didn't have any fluid uh, in my lumbar in, in between yeah. two discs and they were grinding against each other and then yeah I had a really serious injury then but I recovered from it after about two years and started uh, powerlifting again for a couple of years so what was recovery like for you because I think injuries are it's natural in any sport yeah definitely I mean like Playing cricket, I, I I had a lot of injuries because obviously I broke my hands playing cricket, catching the ball and getting hit on my hands. But you recovered really quick as a kid. I remember like always yeah. recovering quite quickly. And also, I remember once, I remember on a Saturday, I broke my hands playing cricket. Uh, one of my friends was bowling at me and it just, even though I had gloves on, it just broke my hands. It weren't too bad, but I had a Lancashire game the next day and I really wanted to do well. And it was like, 
there was a lot of pressure on you then because yeah, you wanted yeah. to carry on playing for Lancashire. You missed a couple of games, you were out of the squad. Um, and I remember playing with broken hands and then that's why my hands are stuck like this now. Um, so yeah, I think then it was a lot easier to come back from. Even when I was 17, the injuries were a lot easier to come back from. But I, in 2017, I was a fully working adult yeah, yeah, and recovery was so much more difficult. Like, you know my struggles I've had since then. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've only just started training properly in kind of like the last five months uh, and absolutely loving it again. We, I remember I've had to deal with you in a, in a leg brace, like going through a golf course and living oh, yeah. in your legs. <laughs> so yeah, when I broke my ankle last year, well, it was June last year when it playing football. Um, yeah, I had a leg brace on. I still trained every day, still tried to bench. We still played golf. Yeah. Still beat you. Oh, you did. <laughs> um, so, obviously, we talked a little bit about cricket and SNC. Yep. So, tell me, what were you actually doing SNC wise for your cricket? Um, so, it was very limited. Like, so, it was very, you know, coach car of the film, like <laughs> shuttles, running. Yeah. They didn't really have any structure. It was pre season. So, pre season usually starts in cricket, like January, February time. It was just a lot of running. Right. And then they thought SNC was, I know, we'll put them in the pads to make it sport specific and run in the pads. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it wasn't very good, to be honest. Uh, but we had one SNC session a year with a proper coach, and that was how I got into powerlifting. But cricket, up until I was about 18, so about eight years ago, that's when it started to actually become in the sport. And most teams now have an SNC coach or some sort of fitness. So I've actually gone into local clubs and provided it. Like from January, February, March, April time, we'll do like full off season, really good little fitness routine. So some things that we'd get them to do is they'll put the pads on, but instead of running a mile in the pads, they run over 22 yards. We'd right. get them to do shuttles over 22 yeah, yards because yeah. that's sport specific. You know, we get them to do a lot of agility drills because they're always turning. So we've obviously spoke about sport-specific things, but do you think it's also important to have that other, that yeah, other so like SNC in effect? GPP is so important. So like general preparedness is just really important. I think I think one they should teach it at schools, but I think even like so for instance when lockdown is over, when my clients come back, I will be saying to them like we need to build up a base level yeah. of fitness. You know, if you're a runner, you, we put a lot of focus on zone one and zone two. Um, aerobic capacity so that for instance that's like just getting the miles in so we're not looking at a time or you know how fast we can run or the pace we're actually just looking at getting miles in and it's very similar with other sports you know you've got to get a base level of fitness you know I believe that your core has to be a certain level you know uh, in terms of development as well going forward if you've got like even muscle groups that obviously helps if you've got a dominant side you're only going to be making it more dominant usually especially if you so for instance your sport UFC if you've got a dominant side you know it's, it's going to end up twisting your spine or your yeah, hips yeah. you know it's going to start causing you problems as you get older or someone's going to see that there's a weakness there in one side and take on take advantage yeah, yeah. of it and any sport is the same yeah, we used to talk about it a lot, especially with mobility, because like I'm more mobile, definitely on my right side rather than my left. Yeah, which is crazy, because you you know usually your left side is either your standing leg or it's your standing side. You you might use your right side a lot more, so it's got a lot more range of motion. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of reasons behind it. So, just in terms of that, so obviously you were talking about um, some of the stuff you do in shuttle runs and everything, and obviously you mentioned the fact that they should be doing it in schools a bit more mm. about having those like other SNC factors. Yeah. Do you think that they are missing a trick there? What would you, what do you think you would be really good to see? So obviously I've worked as a PE teacher at my former school. Um, I used to go in, in the summer to teach cricket uh, nine to five. 
uh, we do each year group so obviously I learned from that but also I'd, I've been as a general PE teacher where you just kind of like they basically just give you a bag of balls and say keep the kids occupied for an hour there's no like structure right. so it's really frustrating and I think at a young age so maybe like primary school I think sports is always the best way to get yeah. kids involved yeah. with fitness I'm a big advocate of sport as well in general but as they get older so maybe like when they go to high school I think gyms should be a regular occurrence I know they are big in America and that's why America are producing the best athletes Obviously, that's a very broad term, but overall, America have the fittest, strongest nation uh, in terms of athletes and athletes to pick from. Look at the NFL and the combine and things like that, how competitive it is, because they're taught at a young age how to do basic exercises. And I'm not talking every kid has to do a bench deadlift squat, clean and jerk snatch. I'm talking, you know, teach them how to squat well, body weight, you know, teach them how to do certain body weight exercises. And also, I think giving them exposure to different sports, so things like weightlifting or powerlifting or calisthenics, gymnastics, mm-hmm. CrossFit. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not too fussed what they do. It's just great to give them that opportunity to try different things because I think we do have great potential in this country. And I think schools, as you put it, are missing a trick because they should be taught how to basically train themselves because my job is teaching adults how to train. Yeah. You know, and I think... It would save adults a lot of injuries. It saved the NHS a lot of money, you know, if they actually just taught them from a young age. Because a lot of people, especially kids, go in from the to the gym at age of 16, 17, 18, or even if they go in mid-20s, late-30s, you know, when fitness starts to desert them. They have no idea what to do. I used to work in a gym uh, around the corner from where we are today at DW, and they would stand at the bottom of the stairs. I'd see, like, 30-year-old grown men, and they would have no idea. I'd like, what are you training today, like? Don't know, I'm just going to see what machines are free. And I just, it infuriated <laughs> me so much. And I just, I want to help everyone. And I used to always just, oh, I'll, I'll write this program for you. I'll write this for you. But they need proper attention. They need proper uh, coaching. They need technical base. They need to just, and, and again, how do they program that? How do they build it up? You know, what's a deload week? How do I, you know, nutrition is a big thing. Like people, like they'll read an article in the paper and then they might go, oh, I, I'm not eating kale this week because oh, I saw that yeah. it's full of this from the paper. And I just, like, people a lot of the time unfortunately don't develop their own opinion or don't educate themselves they'll just kind of like read what's in the uh, general public or they'll read what's in the newspapers or what journalists has wrote and they'll just carry on from that and it's you know for me I think people should educate themselves I think if we educate them from a young age it'd save a lot of hassle so just on that because yeah. obviously me, me me and Depp are, are foodies and we've we have just been foodies. we've just been eating some food. Yeah. So what was nutrition like when you were like say from when you were doing cricket? So cricket is I, I don't know, have you ever had a cricket tease? Have you ever seen cricket tease? No, not really. I probably have, but yeah, not so, realised. So basically at a junior level and like senior cricket well senior cricket's probably worse it's played on a Saturday or a Sunday it's very rare that they play it over two days some of the top leagues do but on a Saturday usually you'll play you'll start about 11 o'clock and then you'll have a break at about half one and then the other team comes out to bowl or bat mm-hmm. uh, but the cricket tea that they'll eat bear in mind they're in the middle of a game will be consist of sandwiches ice cream cakes biscuits <laughs> right. coffee usually sugary drinks I mean sometimes they might have like quiches chicken but it's, it's never that good. I mean, we used to play... I remember when I was at my school and played cricket, we went up to a club called Sedba, and they play, we played over a couple of days there. Or even if we played over one day, they'd have like a proper cricket game where you'd have a lunch and then a 
a dinner. Oh, right. So that okay. was so nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they'd like have proper cooked chicken and stuff like that. So it was crazy. And even now, cricket is still pretty poor for its teas. Like, they've definitely not developed their nutritional knowledge. Um, they'll still eat in lots of cakes. And I'm wondering why when they come out after teas, they're absolutely bloated and run it, struggling to run right field. I remember when I was a cricketer, I, I used to love love batting first because I know like that's when I do my most running because I was yeah, a batter yeah. and then I could go in fill my boots with tees and then just go <laughs> sit in the field stand in the field because I was I didn't bowl or very rarely bowled so I was pretty useless so yeah I used to love that oh if you're a bowler you'd love to bowl first so then you could fill your boots at tees and then just go and sit down while the batters do their job second half. So yeah, it's, that's how poor nutrition is. And I think nutrition should be brought into schools as well. Yeah. I have proposed things to some schools in Blackburn, Bolton, Berry area um, about coming in and implementing some sort of training. I think we could make it fun, like um, we could do some outdoor training uh, with kids and like make it like a sports day type thing. Because I never understand why they do sports day once. It's so popular, kids love it. And it's right at the end of the year. Yeah, like, it's right at the yeah, end of the year. Yeah. Why can't we do something a little bit more like that all the time? You know, and the other thing as well is it breeds winners because you're, yeah. you're bringing competition into it, you're bringing athletes into it, like they're competing against each other. If you give it, instead of just doing it once a year, you said to a kid, oh, we got sports day, you know. The, you know, you might do it over a league table or something, or if you say like we got sports day every like every two months or every month, that kid has a time to go away and develop, and that's where they could learn so many skills. Because the gym isn't just about getting strong physically; it's about getting strong mentally. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Do you think having a range of like different like sports at schools is yeah. important as well? Because like you get people that are naturally not brilliant at football, mm. but might be really good at rugby. So kind of making them do a few things as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really hard because obviously it comes a lot at the time, comes down to funding. Yeah. Um, which is a massive shame. And I know for me, like I know my family struggled to like send me away to powerlifting all the time because it was in Leeds, which is yeah. quite far away. And then they struggled to pay for all my cricket gear because my sister was a equestrian as well, so she did a lot of horse riding. Um, so I know like they struggled to pay for all those different sports. And something that I know I would have loved to have tried when I was a kid, because I like it now, is like I'd love to have played a bit more golf and I'd love to play the like uh, I'd done more snowboarding. So yeah. things like that, like it's crazy, like there isn't that opportunity. And I think if we could give that opportunity to kids, uh, I think that'd be fantastic. Like, I've been I've worked in some really uh, poor schools, especially like when I remember one in Blackburn, and the kids have never even held a cricket bat. All they've ever played is football because it's so accessible. Yeah, and rugby's probably less accessible, but it's still pretty accessible. And they probably like you probably did with mm. cricket. They probably hold it like a baseball bat. Yeah, exactly. Like my first time. Yeah, yeah. Because they don't understand technique and they've never had any coaching. And I went to university to study sports, and my dissertation was actually on equality in sport. Um, it was on the diversity of equality and the funding provided to different um, different sectors. And it a highlight one of the highlights that I used was every member of the England team was from private schools, right? Wow. Which I think is a shocking, shocking really. Yeah. And there was a very similar statistic uh, in rugby. So I, th wow. I think it shows that there's a clear divide there. Yeah, and yeah. it's really upsetting for me who comes from not like a well-off family yeah. to think, you know. I would have had different opportunities potentially if I'd done it, if I'd come from like a more well-off background. And I think how many kids are we missing, you know, from that? And in America, they have great things because they have so many scholarships and they have so many talent programs. Again, I love the UK, I love Britain, but I think we need to look at other countries and how they do things uh, and 
develop our knowledge from it. I think Australia have a lot of great um, principles and protocols. They make sport one of their big things, and I think it's so important. Same with South Africa. A lot of the cricketing nations just happen to be good at rugby as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's because they put a lot more emphasis and time into it as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we kind of dipped a little bit into powerlifting mm. So when you started doing that. So first meet, what was it like? First meet, let me think, was... 2008 that's 12 years ago right 12 years ago I think it was maybe 2009 uh, I remember the training session before I was on a deload week sorry the week before I was on a deload week uh, and one of my friends dropped a 180 squat he wasn't competing uh, he was doing his like training so um, how, how how much would he have weighed and what did you weigh in your first so meet? when we went into training we used to all like, all the lads used to get together and all the girls would be segregated there wasn't that many girls to be fair yeah and then we'd all split up into like three weight classes right, so okay. it'd be like i would be like 67 bit 73s and usually like 79s or something yeah. so we'd be all together and then the like heavyweights would be together and stuff but this was one of my friends who was a heavyweight um, and he dropped his 180 squat and he would have been i was probably 64 kilos at this point and uh, he dropped his 180 and the coach actually said to me pick it up and I would only just done like maybe like half an hour of warming up I was getting prepped for my squats anyway and I managed to deadlift this bar up at 180 and it was the first time I ever deadlifted 180 and then I went on to do it at the comp the week later I was on deload week as well so it was quite funny so that was the first time I ever did it uh, but one thing I learned and I was I remember in my first comp I hit 180 um deadlift which was the most I'd ever done in training but my squat and bench were really horrendous like they were so much lower than my training scores. Do you remember what they were? Uh, so I think my squat was 130 right? Uh, and I think my bench was 75 so they weren't fantastic numbers I, m- I remember I think I, there wasn't it wasn't like a big competition I think I finished fifth or something in my weight class right. um, I think it was only eight people maybe <laughs> in my weight class um, but and the deadlift was most of my weight don't get me wrong but I remember thinking like why on earth is my squat and my bench not the same as my training because in yeah, training yeah. I think I did like a 145 squat and my bench I think I hit like a 90 so they were so far behind like 15 kg on both I was just like I, could, I remember thinking what on earth did but, you ever answer that question you heard yeah so like, I've just learned it like over the like since then I've done a few more meets uh, so I think I've done probably like 20 plus meets in my Jeez, life right. uh, so it's not that's actually not a lot a lot of powerlifters will enter the season and then they will do them every week two weeks every three weeks so wow. 20 isn't a lot so I did it from the age of like 16 17 uh, obviously I had an injury when I was 17 towards the end of just before I was 17 came back when I was 19 and then from 19 20 21 till I was 22 um, so yeah probably probably only competed for about four or five years so probably only talking four or five meets a year which isn't a lot so I want to play devil's advocate here, and I'm yeah. not a powerlifter by yeah. any stretch of the imagination, but for powerlifters that are doing, like, mm. every two weeks they're doing a meet, yeah. is that wise? Um, I think it depends what your condition is like. So usually your coach would build you up to that, um, and it depends what you're doing, it, and it depends what your goal is. So if you're trying to, say, for instance, like, if there's a league, so yeah. some of them are done by a league, then obviously you do it like that. If some of them are done, like, you need to get a certain total to enter the next level. So, like, whether you're going to, like, the British Championships right. or something like that. Um, I never got to that level. I simply weren't good enough. I, I finished second and third were, like, the best ever places I got. But I was consistently second and third. Um, don't get me wrong, like, my deadlift progressed really quickly. So, like, my deadlift, I remember going from, like, when I came back when I was 19. And my deadlift shot up from, like, 180 all the way up to 240. 
Wow. Yeah, so from like 19 to 22, it was like ranging anywhere between uh, 220 in comp to 240. But even some days in comp, I was, oh, my opening weight might have been 220 or 225. So and what, I couldn't increase. And you were weighing what, around 60 or kilos? Yeah, so when I, but when I pulled, I was put 67, but when I pulled 240, I was 73. We tried to go up a weight category to see how I'd feel. And because I was constant, I'd started to struggle to keep at 67. Um, in my late teens and early 20s so we tried to up my weight but I was nowhere near second or third or even top so we ended up going back down and I just had to struggle to make the weight Jeez, right. but it was really fun I remember like I remember I was 19 and I think I just I come back from a long injury and my coach had told me like keep your calories high keep your calories high we need you to be as strong as possible for this comp coming back and I, I remember that couple of, you only weighed in on the day so you don't have to weigh in like day before or something like that. you literally just weighed in on the day for your category and I remember coming in and I weighed myself in the morning I was over by about six pound so I was like that is a lot yeah that's a lot to so I woke up night before I was fine woke up next day six pound every I'm like oh my god so anyway so I remember my dad had rang my coach and my coach had told him to put me in the bathroom um, oh. shower was on bath was on towels at the bottom of the door and I had to like just trying to sweat it out. I was skipping, all sorts. You're basically boiling your body. I've done, I've done yeah, a wake it was up awful. before. So. They wrapped cling film around me. It was awful. And I ended up having like a real issue with it. Like I struggled with it a few times my weight. Where, to be fair, it wasn't always my... That, that one, I do attribute to what my coach just said, eat, eat, eat. Should we just say a disclaimer? That is not wise. Have yeah, you? definitely not. Like that comp, <laughs> for instance, like I said to you, like I struggled to hit the other lifts. Yeah. I had to have a rehydration pack after that. And I felt really ill for a long time after that, like probably like a week. Um, so and my lifts were really bad. What was your rehydration like then? So it was a, it was, it was from a, it was from a running company. I can't remember what it's called. It was proper hyd- rehydration pack. It was called. Right. Um, and it was in like it was like very sugary, very glucosey. Right. Um, and we took quite a lot of it. I think it was like two liters maybe. And that was just because we were quite worried. Uh, but that was after I'd weighed in, so I lost this like probably lost, I think I lost like seven pounds. Went to the comp, had to be weighed in, and then straight away they were rehydrating me. And luckily my comp was like a few hours away, but I managed to pull quite well and did okay. Um, my competitions towards the end became mainly about what I deadlift, right. and my big focus I'd lost a lot of focus in benching, especially um, just because I just didn't think I was that good at it, um, and I didn't work on it as hard because. Unfortunately, I was, it was my mindset was just work on what you're good at, yeah. and it was doing me quite well. Like I, I had the biggest bench most of the time in my weight category, and sometimes like my bench would be quite high up on the seventy threes, so and my deadlift, sorry, and my squat started to progress as well at this point. So I was like leaving bench behind, and it is a big regret now that I left my bench behind because it ultimately caused me a lot of issues. Yeah, so. Obviously, you you said you said your coach was like, "Oh, wanting you to eat, eat, eat." Mm. So, what was your nutrition like as a powerlifter? It was really poor, to be fair. Like, we'd go into training and quite a lot, a lot of the time, it would be eating the same sorts of foods, right? Um, and it would so be it was like a meal plan in effect. Right? Yeah, so it was like coach was just like you know, two eggs in your protein shaker, blended up in the morning, as well as your oats that crack on. And then, like, we would have, usually get there, we'd have snacks always. So, you know, like, them little share boxes you get <laughs> yeah. from, like, I think you used to get them from Asda. And they were, like, either flapjack, rice crispy cakes. So, they were there most of the time. So, something sugary. Keep us going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then we'd always have, like, a big lunch to recover. And he'd always just be like, eat, eat, eat. And now, looking back, it was probably the right advice yeah. to eat. Because um, I, I do believe kids should eat, like, a lot more 
or like consistently eat the same amount of food as opposed to I know a lot of kids my brother's 16 so I know what he could do some days he'll eat loads and then the next day he might not, like he might only have one meal so I think that's what he was trying to get involved in, into us but I remember I really struggled with weight going up and down and my body gained weight would lose weight quite comfortably um, so but we ended up banking on that a lot of the time so because yeah. I could put weight on and and always lose weight quickly. It became a thing of oh, well, I can deal with a couple of pounds leading into the powerlifting week. So what was your week. what was your calories like? Do you remember? We don't. We didn't actually track calories. So you didn't. Do so in powerlifting, no. Calories. So my coach was a really big believer in the fact that you but you would weigh your body obviously to get into that weight category, but you would just it was very simple because we were eating the same sort of foods. He would remove one of those foods. Yeah, yeah. So usually the first thing that would go. Especially deload wheat would be like all the sugary snacks in the day as we was eating. So, like, and he'd always be talking about eating how you feel, but eat to perform. Yeah. And yeah. um, so a lot of the time we actually we didn't track calories. It was only after I'd stopped powerlifting. Uh, so like, I, I remember having breaks like two thousand when I was seventeen. So how long ago would that have been? Three, five, six, nine years ago ish. Yeah. Uh, so about ten years ago. So I was seventeen. Um and. I obviously wasn't powerlifting because I'd injured my back and my shoulder in the yeah, same yeah. season. And I remember really struggling mentally. I remember like if I'd had a dessert with my friends, being like, oh my God, I've got to go running because I was putting weight on because I wasn't training at all. Like yeah, yeah. I was so injured, I couldn't train anything. Um, body's just going through. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was just like my coach had said to me, don't come in for three months, like you need to recover. And looking back now, what I would do is if I had a, like, a young lad and I was teaching young powerlifters, is I would still get them in that environment. I might give them like a couple of weeks off, yeah, yeah. but then get them back in just for the crack and the banter and being with your friends. I was going to say, mentally, like that. that must have been so tough because you say, you say take three months off to anyone yeah. on anything. Like, like you, lockdown especially when you're 19 yeah exactly 17 year old so you just don't know when it's going to end and that's the same with us in lockdown like we don't know when it's going to end so you become apprehensive you become anxious about yeah, it yeah. and i really struggled with my diet because i knew i was ballooning up in weight and it was one thing that my coach had said to me is try not to put too much weight on and in my head although it was a throwaway comment from him in my head i was like i remember i got up to like 80 odd kilo and i was like oh my god i'm putting so much weight on but i actually enjoyed that time out of the training I like not training, but I didn't enjoy the weight gain. I actually enjoyed not training. I'd put quite a lot of pressure onto myself. I'd kind of like stop playing cricket as much at this point as well. Um, so sport actually, I'd kind of like deserted me. Yeah. yeah. Um, or I deserted it. And then, do you know what's funny? I actually went back to it for fun. And ever since then, it has been my life. So is that is that your thing? So like fast forward to say now, Yeah. is that your thing? Because obviously we... We are. We've already spoke about doing yeah. another podcast and talking yeah. about fitness as a business as well and, yeah. and a gym. But is that your your goal now? Just so, like enjoy yourself. Yeah. Or, so like a lot of the people like say to me like, "Oh, do you ever want to compete again?" And I'm like, "Probably not." Like I would compete if. And obviously, these may sound like excuses to a lot of my friends who like know me quite well. Um, like, why don't you compete again in powerlifting or try and get to, like, a really strong weight? And ultimately, like, my, my goals have changed in my life. I've do, Obviously, I've, I'm a business owner. Mm-hmm. I want to start my own family at some point. I, you know, I want to have a life with my friends and family. I think a lot of people forget when you go through being, like, cricketer at a good level and a powerlifter and you devote a lot of your time to sport. Like, a lot of my childhood was spent playing sport. Yeah. And looking back now, I love it. It's the best years of my life. But you do give up a lot. You do sacrifice a lot, even when you're trying to chase it. Like I remember being at uni and I'd actually made, uh, this was in college actually, I'd made 
training my job because I became PT young at 16 like and made it my job and I think when you make something your job you don't love it as much because it, it becomes more of a task yeah and I think that was really tough so actually I, I, I'm a big believer in God so I believe like it was God's plan for me to get injured in 2017 yeah because uh, it coincided with me like falling out of love with the sport as well and I got injured because I wasn't doing everything I needed to and I know that like deep down I know I wasn't training the right way because I was like oh I do this as a job I'm in the gym all the time I wasn't enjoying it I wasn't enjoying the training I wasn't enjoying my job at the time like PT in which I absolutely loved at first um, I just wasn't enjoying it and it was like a life break that I needed yeah. uh, it was fantastic and then obviously fast forward to when I broke my back the second time when I was like 21 22 we 2017 so whenever that was um and it was november 2017 the 8th of november i remember and it was a, it god did it for a reason like i just started the gym yeah. so he was telling me you know that you need to spend some more time doing this gym and that's how i took it i took it to self-develop and understand myself more but it was a really serious injury it took me a long time to recover um and but i grew as a person i educated myself in lots of different areas i developed my business you know i put myself in a really good position but going forward, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to compete again because I, I. I'll be honest. I don't want that pressure or sacrifice again. Yeah. So it's a big commitment doing anything like that. hundred percent. Like you've done a really extreme cut. Like you cut like twenty key. Like <laughs> that's such commitment. Like, and I always believe like if you're gonna commit to a goal, you've got to sit down and want it. Mm. And like I know I've made some sacrifices because I want certain goals. And yeah. even in my training, I still set myself goals. But it, whenever I set them now, I always put next to it like, what do I have to sacrifice to get to that goal? Yeah. And I'm very clear. Like, I had to go to a psycho. I went to. I still go and see a psychologist, and she's really good at explaining to me, like Doctor Watson. She's so good at explaining how my brain works and how it's very analytical, yeah. but it overthinks as well. And like she explains to me, right, write it down. You know, I started to get anxious about a few things, and she was like, write it down, and you know, and understand where you want to go, and you know, this is your goal, but maybe work backwards and how you get to that goal, yeah. and then you feel much better about it because it's on something, and you, yeah, you, you're expressing it. Yeah, I get that. And I've met so many people now who. I think, wow, you should compete. But then I think, is it worth the pressure to them? And a lot of the time, it's not. Yeah. And you've got to be a certain type of person to compete. You've got to want that unwilling drive. Yeah. Like, I have a young lad who's asked me, can he be a powerlifter recently? And I've said, yeah, as long as you have the passion and drive. And at first, I was like, does he have that passion and drive? Because he didn't seem like he had, like, a... Not an angry side to him, but a side that could really go into that focus, dark yeah, place yeah. that's really horrible, that every powerlifter will know about, or sports athlete where you've got to go into that focus. It's a selfishness. Yeah. And I thought, he's never going to get there, to be honest. But I thought, let's give him a try. Let's see if he can. And he surprised me. And I'm so glad I gave him that opportunity. But that's just me learning and developing. On the outside, some people may not seem like they're going to have that mm. inner focus and inner drive, but they do. And he's not missed a session. I can't credit I don't want to say his name because I know he'd be embarrassed. But <laughs> he will, uh, yeah, he's, he's been fantastic. And I think it's also taught me a little bit about me. Like you, I may not have that persona that I have that inner drive and that de dedication, but you know, you know, it's there when you need it. And plus, if you can coach someone that can get that, yeah, exactly. That's it's almost key. like transference that you can get something out of it as well, just for, for you. Yeah, and I know not to put too much pressure on him. So actually, I've had a girl come to me recently who says, you know, I'm really enjoying this weightlifting thing. That um, can I compete it? And I said, you can compete it. But I said, think about what you got to sacrifice. You've got two kids. You've got, you're starting your own business very soon. Like, just have a real good think about what your priorities are. Because yeah. if that's third on your priority list, or it could be even lower, um, you know, are you going to be able to dedicate that much time to it? And I would never want to discourage anyone's dreams. I wouldn't want to discourage them from competing. But it's about having that realistic approach. Because I knew when I wanted to come back and compete one more time as a junior, 
in 2017, I knew powerlifting was not my priority. My just opened my gym. Yeah. That was my priority. I just started a new relationship. That was my priority. You know, these things weren't my priority. Now my priority lies around working, but obviously like getting a better balance, but also around food, friends, like, and kind of building for the future a lot of the time. And training is something I love and enjoy now. And it's not a job. It's not It's not who I am solely. Well, a lot of the time in the past, it was I'm Deck the powerlifter. Yeah, now I'm yeah. just Deck who enjoys a bit of training. I think I think something that we touched on, like we, we talk a lot. Yeah. Like, I remember you saying something to me. And bear in mind, obviously, I've just done my court. I've been doing yeah. jiu-jitsu. And we said about having longevity with yeah. things. And like, I will eventually, and you know, go back to doing jujitsu and mm. everything and, and probably compete one more time at least. Yeah. But like you're saying, are the injuries, are the commitment, yeah. is it worth it? So, so by, like, like, let's just delve into what we have to do to commit to a part, like to any sort of competition yeah. or anything like that. You know, you have to be selfish first and foremost. Yeah. So you have to basically detach from your family because they won't understand like basically, I tell this to all my athletes who want to compete. Your family, most of the time, unless they've been there, yeah. will not understand what you are going through, and and you have to like be ready to have them mornings or them nights where you feel lonely and you feel like, what am I doing this for? You have to be prepared. You have to be mentally strong. You have to really want it. And to compete, you have to be the biggest, biggest driven, just hungry person out there. You've just got to want it so bad, and. I'm not prepared to do that anymore. That's the honest truth. Yeah. And it hurts me when I say this because I am a competitive guy. Like, I'm probably the most competitive <laughs> you guy. You definitely are. Even with mini links golf. Yeah, know. anything. Anything I do, <laughs> I am super competitive. I know I could compete, but I've decided I've made peace with it and been to the therapist about it. I know I'm at peace. And the reason why is because I, w- I enjoy this and I want it to last long. If I go and compete, I know I'm one injury away from never training again um, it, or a couple it, of small injuries. And I love what I do. And plus, if you did get an injury, it, it could actually take you out of day-to-day life. Yeah, my career is as a personal trainer yeah. and a coach and a business owner. That would, you know, it, it, it potentially could end my career uh, because the specialist at Fullwood, you know, on numerous of times, because it was really funny, actually. In, when I injured my back when I was 17, it was the same guy who saw me when I injured it wow. when I was 22. Right. So five years later, and he remembered me. It was crazy because obviously... I'd just come back from a shoulder injury. I was still deadlifting, and because my shoulder was weak, my back went. Uh, but what's amazing as well, like he's remembered you in five years. Yeah, he's probably seen so many people. But he's a back clients. specialist, and he's he's a private doctor, and he's really good. But he's really honest with me. He's like, "Deck, you need to stop doing this. You are one step away from being in a wheelchair." And he was saying, like last time, he was saying, "I was so lucky not to be in a wheelchair because I damaged um, my my nerve system basically on that right side." Um, my sciatic nerve was really, really badly damaged. I had to have a lot of kind of like rehab work on my nerve system as well as like my back because my right side was just numb all the time. In a way though, because you've had all those those things going on, that I think you more you make people more prepared coming into the gym. Like me as a 100%, client. 100%. You, 100%. I tell clients like, you oh. wanted to lift the other day. I was like, can you not warmed up? And I, I, I was like, I'll mad. go near the bar. He's not looking. And then, and then he looks out of like the corner of his eye. I'm just like, oh, damn. It's like my spider sense. It's like my hidden skill. I just can tell. It's like Martin when he comes in and he, 
he'll be like going off plan because I have the yeah. amount of clients that go, oh, I'm feeling really good today. I want to like lift <laughs> so much more weight. And I'm like, no, stick to the plan. There's a reason there's a plan. It's usually cumulative volume and yeah. you don't want to destroy your CNS system because that's what happened to me. Like when I when I got injured in, and when I was 22, it was because I was just opening a business. I was fried. I was up till 3 a.m. I thought I was young, you know, enough to do it, but I couldn't. I was I couldn't recover in time. I neglected sleep, neglected my nutrition, neglected my training. It's my own fault. But now I I'm and again I believe it is God's plan that I'm in well placed to help other people. Yeah. And one of the th- I'm so glad to be training and like, I absolutely love it. Like one of the things that hurts me the most is when I see people competing so i have so many clients that like we've done a couple of powerlifting comps at our gym over the last few years and we've done took clients to like weightlifting comps and i absolutely love it but deep down i know it kills me every single day seeing people like do this and a lot of my friends like oh deck go go and deadlift this and i'm like i can't do that anymore and I, yeah. I used to always like have a bit of a laugh like I would deadlift 200 cold and obviously that's the stupidest thing ever <laughs> but like it was always a laugh with my friends yeah, yeah. and then and then now I would never even dream of that so you're just wiser I guess yeah definitely so um, obviously gonna wrap up nice. um, top three tips for, for someone getting into fitness then getting into fitness find something you enjoy is always my first one huh? so just anything try lots of different things just most important find something you enjoy just on that I think someone will enjoy something you know if you don't yeah because like so, I believe this as well. Yeah. Like it might be gymnastics. It might be the most random sport ever. It might be bowls, like crown <laughs> yeah. green bowling. Yeah. Funny you say that. So my cousin's twenty eight, and I always take the mick out of him. But he actually plays with my nana and granddad in a full league. <laughs> but fair sense. play to him to like yeah. he's doing some sort of fitness because he isn't like a fitness guy as per se. But yeah, fair play. Anything that you enjoy. So that's the first thing I would always say. Yeah. The second thing is if you enjoy it and you're doing it a lot, and the I would always get a coach. Because the coach is one going to put you in the right direction on what level you want to get to. So whether that's competing, it doesn't have to be competing. Whether that just be at a good level, how much time you want to do it. So again, this could be cricket. You know, to learn the correct technique. You know, you're only going to improve it. And then my third one would be think about like longevity. Yeah. Think about how much you want to do this. If you're enjoying it so much now. Are you still going to be enjoying it? If you are going to enjoy it in 20 years, make sure you're doing all the right things. So I know like the powerlift that I was speaking about earlier, one of my biggest issues with him and with Martin as well is they don't want to put that time into mobility. And I am so honest with them. If you don't want to spend yeah. that time on mobility, you are not going to enjoy the sport much longer. It will take you. Yeah, and yeah. it is brutal. And when it does take you, you will know. Yeah. And I think that's so, one of the things is like, for me, is if you get a coach, you've got to trust them, but yeah. also think about what you're doing long, long term. Right. No, they're good tips. I like them. They are. That's awesome. No. Anything more before we wrap up? Um, I'd just like to say if anyone wants any sort of help, drop us a message. We love to help. Like this is our job, yeah. it's our passion, it's our career. I mean, even Gan, like a lot of my clients say they've reached out to Gan for recipes, motivation, advice, because he's he is the living embodiment of how old are you now? Twenty four? Yeah. Yeah. You've how long you had a coach for? Well, three, All, yeah, three, three years, years probably. So to be 21 years. and get a coach, like when I was 21, I didn't have a coach because I couldn't afford it or I didn't think I could afford it. I prioritized going out, buying nice clothes. You know, it takes a lot to get a coach, especially at a young age. Um, but make sure, I would say it's well worth it and make sure you get someone that you trust and believe their process. It's like an investment in yourself. It is and I, I'm a massive believer and there's no stronger investment than in yourself whether that be you know educating yourself or getting a coach. Yeah. Awesome. 
Awesome. Thank you very much, Ganny. Thanks.